You are listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. We want to help demystify marketing to reduce risk, drive more and better opportunities and grow your business. Are you ready to master marketing? Here we go again on a rainy Thursday in Austin, Texas. Uh, Let's get right into the B2B Marketing Mindset. Uh, shall we? I'm Pete Montfrey. This is my co-host Bill Lowell, broadcasting from the back seat of a 1972 Buick Skylark. Wow, that's Very nice. exactly. Oh, no. well, thank you. Looks like thank an office, you. though. You've done well with the re, uh, restoration. Uh, but when you when you live in the car, you gotta you gotta make it. Home, you know? you want to make it nice. Yeah, I know. That's it. I know. Uh, hey, you know. Uh, I'm going to let the theme play just a little bit of the background, but today's topic, focus groups, how, when, and why to use them, plus stories of focus groups gone horribly wrong. We've got the guy that actually wrote the book on focus groups, uh, and you'll want to stick around for the horror stories uh, towards the end and our final thoughts at the end of the episode. So every week we go live on LinkedIn to demystify marketing, help you attract more uh, and close more deals and grow your business. And there's a lot of information on every episode, a lot more information at B2B Mindset, ah, B2B Marketing Mindset.com. Links in the, it doesn't matter what I say, the actual link is in the comments. Um, I want to mention also we are now broadcasting on Twitter and Facebook as, as, as well as LinkedIn and YouTube and of course every major uh, podcast platform. Aren't you proud? Are you happy about that? Well, that's pretty exciting, you know. We can't make Thank mistakes you. now because there's too many people watching. I know it. It's going to be bad. I'm, I'm feeling very nervous. Are you nervous? Uh, I wanted to I would leave the music running a little bit because before we jump into it, I, I've had a, a, a number of people. There's a little our little theme song here. Uh, ask about our theme music. They're, you know, what song is it? You know, what artist, etc. cetera. Uh, except for, of course, the people who were there that night. But um, so here's a little behind the scenes trivia. So that's me. I'm the one playing guitar and yelling at the band uh, and uh, a random group of musicians making up the song uh, on the spot live uh, at the Townsend Theater in Austin, Texas uh, a couple years ago. So it doesn't really have a name. You can't buy it anywhere. Um, but if you want to help us name the song, if you get, come up with a name for the song for the show and just put that in the comments. That'll be fun. So let's see what you've got out there, folks. Um, but anyway, that's enough of the uh, housekeeping. Let's so, is this a, is this a sir, is this a marketing service that we can have you sell to people if they want a theme song? You guys will just go out and jam and then see where it goes. Nope. No. Okay. Nope. Can't pay it us is enough. Good. Okay. We're expensive. Uh, much more expensive than stock music. Now we could have used stock music. There's there's some you know stock music. I I find most of it to be kind of cheesy and crappy but there's some good stuff out there but i figured hey why why i have a uh, professionally recorded original song uh that took zero amount of work uh and you know there was about there's about 100 people there that night so maybe some of them will see this and be like i remember that but uh it was really fun we're just like hey let's just uh let's just make something up what do you guys think? The audience was like, great. And so that was born. So uh, but we don't have a name for it. Um, we should. We'll have to have a name. So if you have if you have some name suggestions, put them in the comments. Um, welcome Twitter. Welcome Facebook. 
That's kind of neat. But uh, anyway, today focus groups, and this is a great subject because, I mean, you are the focus group man. Uh, and um, you reminded me that you wrote this book on focus groups years ago, and then I guess we designed it. Uh, you, and you did all the remember. illustrations and everything. And did as all well. the illustrations. Wow. A long time ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. But why don't we get into it here a little bit uh, with a, less navel gazing, more subject matter. Um, okay. So I had some questions. I'm just going to ask some, uh, some questions and we'll talk a little bit about things that have happened in focus groups. But I think it's really important. Let's not assume everybody knows what a focus group is, right? So what's focus group? I think you know, I know, but... I'll, I'll give you my quick definition. Usually it's, it depends if you're in person or online, if you're in person, it's probably eight to 12 individuals that kind of give you their commentary and their thoughts. And I always look at it and I call it group insight. So the, the important thing is you're, you're going to walk away from that focus group with some really some good uh, thoughts and ideas, but again, not to, not to be, um, you know, confused with the, quantitative data, which might be doing a survey or other things. This is where people tell you what's on their mind and they give you they give you their thoughts. And then I look at it as a group conversation. You really get to draw people out and see what they think and see how they react to things. And it's just a, qualitative. A yes, it is. Yeah. And you make a distinction between in-person and, and online, but they're they're both focus groups, right? It's just they're, they're both focus groups. But yeah. And and with the online focus groups, like for the maximum amount of people that you can handle in person before I think it gets unruly and we can talk about that would be 15. So I usually go, you know, the eight to 12 in person, but if it's online, um, you're talking, I think, you know, six is the ideal number of people, but you could probably get up to eight, but then it just, it's, it's too much to handle and not everybody gets a chance and you don't get a lot of good interaction. So that's why. So, okay. So, but and we'll talk about what what your role is in terms of you know you, you really need a facilitator. We'll talk about that in, the, in a subsequent segment. But um, yeah. part of the it seems like part of the uh, advantage of a focus group is you get to see their body language. You get to you get to listen to their tone of voice. You get a lot more input and information than you would let's say doing a survey. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the one thing too, Pete, which I think is so key, and you, you've you been with me on some of these, so you know what we're talking about here. But the other thing, besides those nonverbals, and I'll tell you what we do at our company to help with that. But besides those nonverbals, I mean, so like if somebody is making a confused look like you are right now, I can say, hey, you, you seem confused or you look upset with what this other person just said. Tell me what's going on, you know, and then just let them talk and, and they might tell you, you know, so... So you're absolutely right. Reading the body language is is so important. And uh, I think that that's key. Usually when I do an in-person focus group, I always have uh, what I call a professional recorder sitting next to me. Uh, you know, I'm obviously an expert in reading body language as well, but usually somebody else, their whole job is to just watch the table wow. and see what people are doing, observing how they're responding to people. So we get a lot of extra good input. You know, you've heard about the bitch resting face. I, I have the confused resting face, which is really a problem for me, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I Just think, put your put your hand under your chin, and then everybody's going to think you're a genius. You know, that's what you have to do. So, 
the thinking man. Um, well, I think, you know, so that facilitator has, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you're doing. You're, you're controlling, you know, what's happening in the focus group. You're, you're kind of looking, you know, you're looking for cues. You're, you're actually interpreting things on the fly. You know, yes. you're analyzing as you go. It's so, I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I think the next, this really leads to the next question, which is when, when do you use a focus group as opposed to, there's so many research choices and, and folks, yeah. by the way, if you're, if you're curious about Bill, it's business development directives, bddonline.com. And so you learn more about this, but give me some use cases where the, where a focus group would be the superior choice. I can I can give you hundreds of them and and you know I've conducted thousands of focus groups in our in our tenure but uh, I'll give you a couple for hundreds though no no I'm I know saying. but uh, I'll give you okay so like when would be I'll give you like several different examples okay so somebody even just to get the quick pulse of your customers getting them together and being able to kind of have them respond although sometimes that can be dangerous too because if somebody complains you're opening it up for the rest of the people to complain or to hear those complaints so that could be that could be tough, but um, you know you could you could test your your ad campaigns, you could test your PR campaigns, you can test messaging. You and I have done that together. So you know you do a focus group and you have people respond to some of the messages or the the positioning statements that you're thinking about having. I think you can um, test your competitors' advertising or their you know messaging or websites or whatever you want to do. Compare it to yours. And those are usually some pretty powerful uh, ways to do it. But I mean, I've done, I mean, I've done, um, one of my clients was looking at developing a new pharmacy prototype and they called it pharmacy of the future. We, we had pharmacists that we got together and we did a ton of focus groups with pharmacists just to ask them to envision what that would look like and get them to, to talk about it. So it can be something innovative. It can be something that you're dealing with. That's a problem that you just want to, develop. It could be somebody who's listening to us that may be in, in PR or marketing right now. We could get five to 10 experts together and just brainstorm on a topic and they walk away with a great information for a white paper or some downloads or another podcast or a blog post or whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. So all sorts of outputs that come out of it. And, and I do remember, I think we had three or four different television ads and we were testing yes. those but I think the important point was, and I, I don't remember who the client was, so it might have been might have been Batsner, but I, I don't remember. Um, it's a, so you know if you gather your family up, and this this the informal focus groups go on all the time in marketing, right? The client takes yeah. the work and goes and asks their wife and their uh, mother and their neighbor, okay, yeah. and they get this feedback, and it's 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 not worth a, a shit, honestly. Um, you mentioned, look, this was a the, the pharmacy thing was targeted to pharmacists. So you want people who match your target profile in that room. So selecting the yeah. people is actually really important. It's, um, it's, it's absolutely critical. And you, you talk about, you know, nightmares is one of the things we're going to talk about. But you mentioned that the wrong people in the room are going to be a nightmare, right? Because or, for so or, many reasons. Maybe you get somebody very cynical who hates all forms of advertising and marketing. Is there any kind of screening that you do, almost like a jury? Oh, oh absolutely. In fact, I think I remember. That's, by the way, that's another reason you could do a focus group for jury trials to see how people are going to perceive the way that somebody's going to do the prosecution or the defense. So those are things we've done as well. So, but but to your point, absolutely. I think 
when you sit down, one of the things that we do to begin with, and I don't want to get too complicated, but we have to put together a profile of who we want in that focus group. And then that's where we start doing our selecting. And so building the profile is critical. And that could be demographics. That could be uh, where people live. I mean, there could be a lot of different Psychographics, things. Psychographics, their perceptions. Uh, the guy carrying Absolutely. a noose, you know, might not be the guy that makes it into the jury pool. Yeah. And by the way, brings his own. By the way, yeah. Sometimes, like you said, but even if you had the person that hated every type of advertising, sometimes, I mean, if they still fit the profile, that person might be good in that focus group. Because one of the things that I always say is if everybody agrees and I walk away and go back and tell my client that, oh, everybody loved this. and What have we done? You know, it's like I need to hear when people disagree or what they think, because that makes it for a better conversation. Well, in a good so. This is a psychological thing where people want to be positive. They don't want most people, not me, but most people. And and they they're they're gonna if they only tell you what you want to hear, the data is not really that good. And I think in, across all kinds of marketing research, yeah. it's really the ugly stuff, the bad stuff that that really what we're listening for. Um, yeah. But if I, I, if you if you have eight or nine people in a room all agreeing, you know, there's got to be something wrong with that, uh, because I've never seen that happen before. Um, but that's a great point. I mean, a good facilitator is going to make people comfortable yes. and make sure that they understand that everything is fair game. The good, the bad, the ugly, the embarrassing, the, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong in a focus group, is there? No, no. And, and to your point. One of the things that I do, and I think a really good facilitator will do, not to pat myself on the back too much, is you set the stage to begin with. So you let you you because you mentioned that people need to feel comfortable. So it's like you got to let them know that, you know, I hope that you'll feel really comfortable with this. And if you have a differing opinion, we need to hear that. And, you know, that's going to really help our clients. So, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. You need the you need to set the stage. So, by the way, you also set the stage to control the lunatics too, because you'll get a few of those sometimes. And by setting the stage, you can prevent some of that. You know. Well, the next point is what can go wrong with the focus group. So, I mean, sometimes let's say somebody gets through the screening, they're disruptive. Uh, yeah. You kick them out. Yes. <laughs> but you do it nicely. Yeah. yeah I mean. First, don't get me wrong. First, I would, no, no. First, you <laughs> might give them a warning or whatever, you know, and then, you know, or, you know, you, sometimes you just call on their behavior. You know, it's it's kind of your typical stuff. The first time, you know, okay, I'll give you a couple of tricks. The first time somebody's acting up, you give them a nonverbal. So either you give them a stare down or you, <laughs> you, you're quiet for a second and just kind of let everybody focus on what they just did. Or sometimes... I, I don't even look at them anymore. I just look away every time I ask the question because you know sometimes they're the first to jump in and they always want to talk. So you don't look at them. But if somebody starts to act up, you know, I think the best thing to do is just to start saying, hey, you know, um, I noticed you've been doing this. You know, if you don't mind, I'd like to hear from some other people or could you just kind of hold back for a little bit? Give them a nice warning. And then the second time they do it, you know, you might just say, you know, I'm, I'm seeing kind of some disruptive behavior and, and I need to hear from everybody. And this is kind of, you know, disrupting the group. So we need to do so. Third time they're out of there. I, I just asked. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, you know, rarely do we have to do that, but I've done that several times. You know? Well, and then you have the I think the problem, the other, you know, focus group nightmare is um, uh, 
the dominant person who not only just dominates the conversation, but the other people will then start to echo that person's opinions. And they're not really giving their opinions. I've seen that happen. And so, I mean, I think that's a nightmare. I mean, it's, we're all, we're, a lot of everything we do in terms of research has to do with the integrity of the data, right? I mean, it's like, that's the whole main thing. It's how you, even how you phrase the questions, right? I mean, you don't want to lead them on or lead them, you know, ask leading questions. You have to be very neutral in your language. A lot of work goes into that, by the way. And is that the book behind you? It's just focus groups right there. Did we design that? It is. It is. <laughs> now talk I about remember. beautiful. Now I remember. Talk about beautiful design. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, I recognize uh, Michael DeMilo's illustration there. And okay, Heidi yeah, in fact, actually, uh, Heidi designed that book. Did she? That's great. And then you guys got some uh, designs in here, but the whole book is a step-by-step process, if you remember correctly. Can people buy Teaching- that book? From you or you from Amazon? It used to be, from... it used to be, but you know, it's so old it's now. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, you know, to get a I don't even know. Print. Okay, we could probably do, I was thinking about updating it and we might, but I hate to say it, but most of the techniques are still the same. I give them a, you remember a step-by-step, of, if you want to do your own focus group, what do you do? And so it's a, it's a pretty hands-on yeah. book. Yeah, and oh. you know, we'll talk about, let's we'll put that back on Amazon. Um, All right. Uh, but you know, just, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with focus groups uh, because I think you're just dealing with people and yeah. people can be super inconsistent. Um, and it's really, but if you think about it, your marketing is dealing with people and you're dealing with people's behavior, which right. can be super inconsistent. I, I think that, you know, marketers often will re- so carefully design and package their idea and just so... Uh, you know, precise and all this, and they let it out into the world and they find out, yeah. wow, the world's a super messy place. Um, and it right. just, you know, you can only do so much. Um, but I think and you're not yeah. just asking people, do you like this? Do you, right. you know, I think the questions are pretty detailed because you want those detailed answers, because I think the worst answer you could get is, oh, I like it. Yeah. I don't like it. Well, what, what does that mean? Nothing. Exactly. And by the way, that would be a great facilitation question. <laughs> what do you what do you what mean you t- there? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm doing this for years and I have no idea what you're talking about, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but, but that's why. Is, one, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. That's why, you know, the thing that's so important, Pete, is that I, I always tell people you need to either do odd number of focus groups. And I'm not saying have an odd focus group, but odd number, because you're, you are so right. What happens if I have everybody that either agrees or what happens if everybody it's chaos or what happens if we really feel it's one way, but you better do another focus group and see, and then maybe a third, you know, because that way you can kind of draw some, some comparisons, some consistencies from those focus groups. Right. Because one may have some anomalies in it that three will even out the curve a little bit more or something like that. And and so, you know, the, the question on the screen now, why are professional facilitators important? Now, oh, wow. I want to give a disclaimer because we often talk about research and we talk about the importance of an objective third party, which oftentimes is us. All right. We're not being self-serving in this case. And like you said, you can do focus groups on your own. But if you want good data, you need somebody that knows how to do this, who knows how to deal with those difficult people, who knows how to develop questions that 
aren't leading, that, that knows how to read between the lines and the way that people answer, right? Um, and so give me some more reasons why professional facilitation, I think it just basically equals better data. Yeah, well, you know, I also tell people, and you're really good at this as well because you're an expert in the sales process as well. People that are really good listeners, I think make great facilitators because you're listening to so many things. And just like you do on this podcast, all of a sudden a question is raised from something that I say or one of our other guests have said, and then it causes another question. And I think that's, you know, those are really key traits. But, um, you know, one of the things that I always enjoy is, you know, sometimes you might walk into a focus group with 15 questions. All right. And that's, I tell my clients no more than 15. And I probably am only going to add, you know, ask 10 uh, because the fewer you ask, the better the conversation, you know, and the best focus groups that I've had. And this is the reason for a good facilitator. I've asked one question and we've had a conversation, but every answer for those questions came out of that focus group. So, I mean, wow. so it just, it just depends. So why as a facilitator, because just like you said, they're unbiased, you know, they, they're, I don't care about the outcome. I mean, I just want to get the information for my client. That's, that's the key. So I'm not invested. Some people might be invested or whatever. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story if I can, and uh, this will, this will be it. So we were doing the largest study ever done in the state of Wisconsin on children. And so we were doing focus groups in almost every major city. And that it also included uh, the major, you know, the predominant minority uh, population of the of the kids as well. I my client was a single mother, and she came with me on some of the focus groups. Now she really she usually didn't say anything, but she served as the professional recorder. She there were times that those kids would say stuff, and she would come out of those focus groups and tell me things, and I'm like, that is like so biased. You're just you're just taking your stance from where you are, you know. Right. You know, and I was just so I would remind her, you know, that's you know, I think you're just thinking about this differently. So people have their own biases. And I think that that's key. But the other thing is keeping the conversation going, just like you do with this podcast all the time and that you've done with your clients. You know? Well, and then there's another type of research that, that I do a lot and there are executive interviews. So maybe mm -hmm. it's a 15 minute interview. You have maybe 10 questions if you're lucky um, and you want to be real respectful of that you know, it's the, it's the customer of our client. Right. And so, and again, I tell people this, you can do this yourself, but here's yeah. the drawback of that. Uh, your customers, again, this, this is a psychological thing where they don't want to hurt your feelings, right? They're not going to say, let's say somebody you do a lot of business with and they're like, listen, Bill, man, you guys, and then they whip some negative stuff on you. They're not going to do that generally. So you get the objective third party. Also, then those those surveys can be anonymous. Like, for example, mm -hmm. if you do a focus group, they can speak their mind because the client won't necessarily know who said what. Right. right? And so unless they're behind the mirror, unless they're behind the mirror. But <laughs> but the, the, the focus group people don't need to know that. But the right. whole idea is you want them to be candid. You want them to actually tell you the truth. You don't want them to worry about feelings or sugarcoating, you know, because you need to know the, I mean, a lot of the research, we, we're looking for problems and solutions to problems. So if everybody's like, no, you guys are the greatest, you know, um, it does, it's not helpful. Okay. We already know that. 
<laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we have problems. We're trying to solve problems or we need, we need your honest perception. And, and again, I've, I'm a little late on it, on the uptake, but we're going to be, we're going to be doing a, a research, uh, uh, program ourselves about our company and really going out to the general public um, and just to, to try to measure awareness and perception and some of these sort of things. And so that is an anonymous survey. So people can really say whatever they want. And I do expect to see some negative things. And I might go and cry in the corner just for a moment, but it's okay. Those are the things that, you know, maybe but, we need to fix. But, um, you know, like, let's go back to your executive interviews. And let's go back to the focus group for just a second. If somebody said something negative, okay, at least you know when you're doing an executive interview for one of your customers, that's just one thing and that's one customer. Sometimes if people are doing this themselves, they get really emotional and they and then they're just going to focus on that one thing and they won't get off of it when that really might be like just the, the most minor thing and you miss all of these other really good things. And so... That's another reason why you want to have somebody who's unbiased kind of listening for that. A skilled facilitator can can move that on without sort of contaminating the the pool, so to speak. Um, yeah. Or as I like to say, peeing in the pool. You don't want to pee in the pool. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, th I think that that's true. But, uh, you know, you know so and then, what are, you know, we promised some, some focus group nightmares. Okay. So we're getting towards the end here. We want to make sure we keep our promise. What do you got for me? I'll, I'll give you a, a few of them. I got probably three that, I mean, I've got many, but I'll give you three right off I the bat. I figured you might. One, one, and I don't know if these are nightmares or just interesting stories, okay? So with one focus group, uh, there was this one gentleman that was in the focus group and he just, he kept on agreeing with everything that this really attractive woman was saying. <laughs> and And then he would interrupt and agree with her. And if somebody disagreed, he was defending her. I mean, it was just, obnoxious and and we actually had to, to take him take him out you know i mean we, we really tried a few times but he just but but he was like falling in love and i'm i'm really serious about this it was like he just couldn't get or he you know and and by the way i think later after the focus group they did i don't know what they got together but they i saw them yakking with each other and stuff so that was that was wow. one where it was like oh it was just it was just really embarrassing um I have one that was on a, a video focus group that we've that we've done, and this was really embarrassing. More for well, I'll tell you the story, and then you can tell me who's embarrassed. But so we're doing an online focus group, and this was with a bunch of oncology cancer patients, you know, and uh, and we were we were trying to come up with some things for this one organization, and one of the participants, she had her computer set up like in the upstairs hallway of you know so like there's the hallway from the bedrooms and stuff but a lot of people might have like a platform that they have their office or they have a chair or whatever her computer was there with like a little desk and so like behind her you could see if somebody was walking by right so we're going on and on and on and everybody is doing this and by the way with our we have a platform where our clients can be behind the mirror and watch the focus group without participants knowing this but um all of a sudden this woman's husband unbeknownst to her. So she's yakking and talking and, and saying what's going on. He's walking up and down naked from the bed. You could just tell from the bedroom <laughs> to, to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden he comes back and I'm like, and then he goes back. It was like three different times. And we were like, just going crazy. So after, after the focus group was done, I, you know, it was, it was so embarrassing, but 
um, the client, all they did is talk about that guy. You know what I mean? I was like, you mean you missed all the rest of the good stuff? So everybody was, their, their attention was, was off of that. But, you know, I mean, it was a lesson to be learned, you know, it's like, oh, you know, make oh, sure no funny. one. So we'll have to was... make sure that we clip this part out and rerun it. Uh, that's really funny. Um, now, are you talking about the the online focus group software where it's, yeah, it's a virtual done. mirror? I mean, in, in yeah. back in the day, you had literally a one-way mirror. Uh, right. Or is it a two-way mirror? Um, and so you'd have two rooms adjacent to each other, you know, almost like right. an interrogation at the police station. But um, yeah. not that I would know anything about that. Uh, but... Um, but now we have digital platforms that have that that functionality. So I assume that you were talking about, you know, it was a digital focus group, and it was. Uh, you had a. And these a people were all over. Yeah, they were all over the country. So participants all over the country. But you're absolutely right. I've got the platform that we, you know, that we pay for and what we have, which is really kind of nice. But it's like, so I can like right now in this podcast, we're seeing each other, but like. In another screen, the clients could be talking to me or sending me messages, and I can see them both on their video and their audio, and they can talk, but the participants have no idea. So they're hearing everything. Wow. And in a way, another reason why it can be distracting, too, because the client might say, you know, like if somebody asks a question about somebody's brand, and I don't know the answer to that, or a new product that's coming out, the client can tell me, and I can start to realize some of that. So it's it's pretty intense but it's a, it's a great platform. It's, and that's something new that has been, you know, that we've been working with for a while. Well, I just want to be clear too. It wasn't me. I was not the naked man walking. No, 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 it wasn't. Now, I don't wear pants for the show, but that's a separate issue. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so focus groups, you know, it's great, great lead in, and we'll get to our final thoughts here, but so what has changed in focus groups? You, know, you mentioned the book, it, the, the fundamentals are all the same. I mean, a lot of the things that we do in marketing, and this is something probably that would warrant an entire episode, but one of the things, one of the, the bees in my bonnet uh, yeah. about marketing is that people keep renaming things to make them new again. And I'll hear, I'll hear a term uh, and, you know, I, I'm not young anymore. I, I, I look very young, though. Uh, you but, you um, do, and you are a lot younger than me. I'm, so. I'm much uh, uh, older than I uh, look, and younger than I feel. Uh, but and this is the oldest I've ever been, by the way. So I don't have much of a point of comparison. Um, but I'll hear something, and I'll be like, "Wow, I, you know, I I've never heard of that." And I'll look into it a little bit more, and I'm like, "Oh, come on, it's the same. It's the same thing. You just made up a new name, which yeah. just really." serves to confuse the the market and so marketers are are, are are genius at making up meaningless new names that confuse everybody but focus groups have kind of changed and and it is it the technology that changes the dynamic or tell me a little bit like if you were to update that book yeah what kinds of things would you be looking at yeah i would i would definitely add some of the stuff with regard to uh the technology so and what like for example i'll give you something right now so in our platform, we could be conducting a focus group and I can actually do a poll live and I could either decide to show it to everybody or I could just give the answers and show the poll after everybody's responded. And we can immediately say, okay, wow, everybody said this privately, what's going on? And then you can ask questions about that. So that has really changed the game. So it's much more interactive, it's, it's, it's much quicker. So that in my opinion has changed a lot. Um, 
I think the other thing with regard to the online ones is it's just so much less expensive, Pete. You know what I mean? Like before we would have to pay a facility, which I love doing the in-person ones. I think you get a lot of good information out of there, but it's like people might've been traveling from all over the country. So you're paying for that. The client's paying for that. They're paying for the meals. They're paying for the room. They're paying for us. You know, so it's it's a lot of expense. I mean, I think it's worth it. Uh, and by the way, there's lots of ways you can do it that's less expensive, rent a hotel room or whatever the case is. But sure. now people, you can do this virtually and get great people and they can do it from the comforts of their own um, laptop computer. So it's just it's just so much quicker well, and easier. Sounds like less you can expensive. have you can have more participants. So less expensive, better data, more options for the facilitator. I would say those are sea changes in in how focus groups are conducted and probably the quality of the output that comes from it. Um, but I'm a big believer in them. I don't think that we see them done as often as maybe they should be. Yeah. Um, but I, I love them. And like, you know, you asked another reason for it and this would be another great reason. Like you could do a focus group just to deter, like if you were going to do a customer survey or a brand survey, you could do a focus group to begin with, with a sampling of your customers or whatever, just to help you design the survey of asking good questions. Or on the reverse, you could do the exact same thing. You get your data back that's that's quantitative and you go, wow, we've got some questions about this. You could have a focus group and really have the audience explain what's going on with your findings. I mean, it's just powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome. Uh... Why don't we uh, we'll head to our final thoughts as we're wrapping up the program here. It's uh, 11.33 precisely. And so uh, final thoughts. Final thoughts. <laughs> it still sounds like the chipmunks to me on that. I, I don't know why. Uh, but final thoughts. Go, you first. You know... Even like I always promise people with regard to when I do some research for them, quantitative, I always promise I will bring them surprises because you always have a client or two that will always say, oh, I already know it all. You know, I always bring them surprises. The, the beauty of a focus group is it's real time. It's like all of a sudden. And that's that's, by the way, another mm. thing with a skilled facilitator. you got to know, am I going down a rabbit hole or is this genius material that's emerging that we are just on top of here? And that's. That is so exciting because when you walk away with something so new or so fresh, uh, you really got some magic going on there. And that usually happens in a focus group. So, yeah, I just I think it's the face to face nature of it or something. You know, there's just a dynamic about focus groups that's different from other kinds of research. And I think research is actually one of my favorite parts of marketing because because it is those aha moments. It's the things that we didn't think of, the client didn't think of. But the customers know, uh, and we do other types of research. We do competitive uh, uh, intelligence, um, and we often find things in there that nobody knew, like a new yeah. competitor who's gaining ground really rapidly. Um, wow, you know. Uh, and so, if your if your information is three, four, five years old, you you really need to refresh it, and it doesn't matter. You know, Bill can help you uh, choose the research vehicle that is right for you, that fits your budget, that makes sense for the problems you're trying to solve. There's lots and lots of choices uh, in how you can get answers. But the point is, you got to get answers. You can't keep running off of. I mean, I've met I've met clients that are running off of 20 year old data. They still think that 
you know, the world operates like it did in 2012. Yeah, I told you, I, I ran into somebody this summer who their sales had plateaued for three years in a row. And I asked them when was the last time they had done some customer research. And like you said, it was over 20 years ago. I was like, I, I mean, I didn't even know how to respond to that. I mean, I guess I was a terrible facilitator because I, I looked shocked and horrified, you know, but so you're, you know, you're right. It's like, how, how can you be in business without getting some of that kind of information, especially when it's changing so rapidly, you know? You know, in fact, maybe next week, a good topic would be to talk about lead generation. And because Ooh. the entire lead generation landscape has changed. And there's a guy, I talk about him a lot on here, Chris Walker. I'm going to try to get him as a guest someday. Uh, he's kind of a big shot. We'll see how that goes. But he talks about this a lot where back in 2012, you know, it was emails and names and and people that downloaded a paper or signed up for something. And that was considered a lead. You know, yeah. that is not how it works anymore. And so if you're still doing that, and I think the majority of companies are, you know, hopefully maybe uh, next week we can share, you know, That'd what does that look like now for B2B companies? And and I want to mention that a lot of what we talk about applies to B2C as well. Um, and so, you know, don't ignore us if you have a business to consumer type of company or a direct to consumer. That's an exploding uh, field now. Yeah. A lot of these fundamental things fit everything. But we had to, of course, select a niche. And so we selected B2B. And so that's primarily what we talk about. But I think that would be a, a great topic because, you know, at the end of the day, that's a lot of the reason that people do marketing in the first place is they're yeah. trying to drive more opportunities. They're trying to close more opportunities. And I like to think that, you know, we we have some hand in in helping kind of make that help companies do that better yeah yeah and, and this will be fun because i could be delusional. That, means, that means next week i'll probably be the facilitator because you're the the world expert on some of that lead generation and what to do about it so i better i better come prepared to ask you good questions huh i you know i like to think so but uh i wonder sometimes but uh but hey another great episode in the can fun. uh Appreciate everybody that tunes in and thank you. Uh, let's thank iTunes podcast, Apple podcast. We have the most subscribers. We have the most subscribers on uh, Apple podcasts. So uh, by a long shot, Spotify is coming up second. But uh, you can find this podcast at b2bmarketingmindset.com, usually a day after it goes live. You can follow us on LinkedIn. You can see it there. Or you can just go to your favorite podcast platform uh, and find it there. And, and you might have to search on our names or my name and then B2B Marketing Mindset. Uh, some of them, I think they're hard to find. Their interfaces are not great. I'm looking at you, Spotify. Uh, but... But we are there. And, uh, you know, subscribe. You can subscribe on YouTube. Um, now, of course, I mentioned we're on Twitter and Facebook. We are everywhere, people. And so I uh, hope you like the program. Give us some suggestions for the naming of the theme. That'd be great. And, uh, we, in the, you know, the lucky winner. What does the lucky winner get if they if we choose their name? Let's let's think about that, you know. A Home well, Depot give them a card. Oh, there you go. We yeah. can do that. Otherwise, we could go about an hour with us just to hey, an hour with talk us, about their business. Talk about their business. Help us name the tune. We'll choose the uh, the tune. And uh, right, we could have them on the podcast. The winner of the... Hey, actually, that would be a great idea. 
I think that would be a great idea. And then uh, we can talk about their business or their opportunity or what they're looking for. You know, it might be might be an interesting thing. There you go. So help us out in the comments. We'll see you next week. Thursdays, 11 o'clock Central. Happy Thanksgiving, right? Everywhere. And have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Get that wheelbarrow ready to wheel you away from the uh, table. There you go. In American style. So until next week. Thanks, Bill. You've been listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. Add to the conversation by commenting, sharing, and liking. And don't forget to subscribe and check out the links in the comments. Learn more at b2bmarketingmindset.com.